That's Deuteronomy chapter 8, page 131. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. We'll continue reading in John's Gospel, page 755 in the Pew Bibles. We're reading from the sixth chapter. We're starting at the 25th verse and continuing through to verse 59. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, 
but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the work works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this the Jews began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give up his, us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. 
but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. This is the word of the Lord. Alrighty, tonight we are thinking about the idea of food and what God has to tell us and teach us about food. Let's pray that God would speak to us as we do this. Heavenly Father, you are the giver of every good gift and we thank you for the good gift of food. We pray that you would teach us tonight from your word how to use food responsibly and how to use it in a way that brings glory and honour to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever considered what a huge part of your life food is? When you think every single day you've got to plan for your food. You've got to go and get it. You've got to prepare it. You've got to eat it. You've got to clean up after it. It's quite possible that we could spend three, maybe four hours thinking and, and, uh, and getting involved in food each and every day. Let me give you a little insight into how food can affect my regular day. Uh, I like to get up early and do some exercise. Exercise has its obvious health benefits, uh, but one of the primary reasons I do it is so I can justify myself for indulging in all this yummy food and say, it's okay, I've earned it. Uh, breakfast cereal, that is my favourite meal of the day. I begin thinking about breakfast cereal from the moment I finish eating dinner the night before. Do, do you ever do that? Do you, do you think about food when you're not eating it? Do you ever eat food and think about the next meal that you're eating while you're eating a current one? Uh, I, love, I love sandwiches for lunch. And uh, my wife and Bridge and I are fortunate to have lunch together a, a few times. Lunch is a, great, is a great meal because it sort of causes you to down tools and come together. But I often ruin that relational moment by suggesting untimely improvements that Bridget could have made to my sandwich, like, could do with a little bit more chutney, and, and I ruin the relational moment. And I know I'm not the only one because, you know, a lot of us go to Thai here, don't we? And you go to Thai, you really want musman beef. But, but you're only going to get two dishes between the three of you. Someone insists on vegetables, another person wants prawn salad, and you are so grumpy. And so you just sit there moping around because you're not going to get your musman. We let food get in the way of relationships. Uh, on weekends, we sometimes have friends for afternoon tea. Uh, food is a great way to bring people together. But if Bridget makes jam and cream scones, I am so caught up with food that I, I sometimes I can't concentrate on, on my friends because I'm watching the plate of jam and cream scones, making sure I don't miss out. There's only two left, uh, and I can divide my attention between a good friend and a jam scone. <laughs> dinner, parties, dinner parties are a fantastic form of fellowship. Uh, it is so wonderful to bring people together uh, over a great meal. But I often tarnish these events by gorging myself. Uh, I'm a sucker for those comments, come on, Ed, I'd hate to see it go to waste. And so I have doubles of dinner, I have seconds of dessert, and I go home groaning and moaning to Bridget that I've completely overfed myself. I tarnish good relational events. And, you know, whether you like it or not, food is increasingly becoming a bigger part of our lives. There are more gourmet delis and supermarkets and restaurants popping up everywhere. 
People are watching food TV. They're, they're watching TV about food when they're not eating it. We've got blogs, uh, food blogs. Um, we've also got weekend luxuries becoming daily necessities. Even our sport, we can't, watch, we can't even watch sport without being advertised to by KFC or McDonald's for our Olympics. Have you ever considered that there is a Christian way to think about the food that we eat? Jesus said these words. He said, you are to love the Lord your God. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus is saying there isn't to be a single area of your life that isn't intentionally submitted to his lordship. And so you might never have thought about it, but today I want us to consider how we can honour the Lord our God by the food we choose to eat or the food we choose not to eat. Here's the big uh, idea I'd love us to get our heads around this evening. That is, food is a gift. Food is a gift, food is fuel, and food is not enough. So our first thought, food is a gift. Let's make sure we understand food as God sees it. Uh, food is a good gift given by him. It's given to us to enjoy, and it's given to us to bring glory to him. In the beginning, God made it that way. He said in Genesis 1.29, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. Food is good because God made it good. It's a good gift from him. And it's a fantastic gift that we can give to one another. Let me tell you, uh, share with you some of the ways I've seen food being used as a great gift amongst us here at church. Supper. Supper is, is a great... I love that 6.45, we really invest in supper. It says a lot about the quality of relationships that we have. We want to hang out together. Uh, we want to share good food with one another. Uh, food, it, it, it's sensual, it's interesting, and, and food excites you. You're only half an hour away for some gr- from some great caramel slice. Isn't that exciting? Meal rosters. Meal rosters. When we had our second uh, child, we had to invite neighbours over to our house to help us finish the food that people so generously gave us. We are still praising God for the generosity of saints here at church uh, who provided a meal for us in our time of need. Uh, Nothing says, I love you sometimes, like a good home-cooked meal for a friend in a time of need. Christians, we should be serving one another with food. Socially, socially food brings people together. Food is a a great way to have people into your home. People these days, I think, because maybe the pressure of cooking an amazing meal, people just aren't opening their homes. They're taking people out to restaurants instead. But hospitality uh, is a biblical principle. We should be opening our homes to one another. And if the pressure of a three-course meal is going to put you off showing hospitality, do what we do. Woolworth barbecued chickens. No one can know. They're brilliant. They taste delicious. And we serve the same meal to everyone who comes to our house because then we don't have to think about it and we can focus on the fellowship instead. Keep fellowship before food. But food is a great way of bringing people together. Food is creative. Our food, for many people, is an outlet. 
Uh, it's, it's, a, it's rewarding to make and uh, it's fulfilling to grow. Therefore, because it's a good gift, we should enjoy it and we should give thanks to God for it. Uh, in the reading that Tony brought to us before, Moses said to God's people in Deuteronomy 8, he said, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. As Christians, we should continue to give thanks to God for our food. It's important that we say grace. Say grace when you're out with friends at a restaurant. Say grace even when you have unbelievers to your home for a meal. If it's your food, if it's your turf, you remind people that every good gift comes from the Lord your God and you give glory to him for it. So that's our first thought. Food is a gift. Food is a gift, but food is only fuel. I really like uh, the definition that I found in the New Bible Dictionary for food. It says this, Food, all vegetable and animal products used by man to maintain the physical life of his body. To maintain the physical life of his body. Isn't it interesting how obsessed people are becoming with food these days? How we need carbs and we need proteins and and we need fats, um, but mankind, we have this unique ability to take good things, good gifts that God has given us, and we start turning them into God things. Yes, we were meant to enjoy food, but we were never meant to worship it. We had lunch for some friends the other day. Uh, It was a gourmet lunch. We invested heavily in in nice food. Our friends came along and they trumped us by bringing even nicer food. They brought wedges of cheese. They brought nicer bread than the already nice bread we had. We finished the meal with more food than we started with. Uh, And then while we were eating this lovely food, We were talking about food. We were talking about restaurants that we'd been to and we were giving these scathing reviews of the local eateries. Uh, And then we went from talking about indulging ourselves to talking about diets. And everyone was on a diet. And one girl was talking about her no-sugar diet and the the benefits uh, and effects of her no-sugar diet while she ate two white white chocolate and raspberry muffins. (laughs) Uh, we, We find that we're just getting increasingly caught up with food. I wonder if without knowing it, that perhaps we're just taking on the world's approach to food. I wonder if subconsciously we're just going with the flow. People are watching seven hours a week of television about food, as well as all the rest of time that they have to think and prepare and and buy food. I wonder how much money you spend on food. Is that a considered amount? Or is it just where you've ended up? It's important that we think biblically about our food. Our world is starting to pin their hopes for a healthy, happy future on an organic diet, on superfoods and and, uh, coconut water. Uh, People people think these things are going to fulfill them and give them a good future. We find ourselves eating not just because we're hungry, we often eat for comfort. We eat because we're bored and we've got nothing else to do. Our serving sizes, we need to think about our serving sizes. Uh, the, the, the serving size that was deserving of a fortnightly feast has now become a daily serving portion. 
And then what we have to do is we have to diet and we have to join a gym and get a personal trainer to compensate for the size of the food that we're eating. We need to make sure that we let God determine the way that we use our food and the fuel that we're putting in. Food is good for fuel, but it's lousy substitute for God. It doesn't offer lasting satisfaction, lasting comfort and lasting fulfillment. You know, interestingly, God, God understands this. He knows that food runs close to our heart. And that's why, back in Exodus, uh, he used food to test what was in his people's hearts. Have a read of this on the screen with me. Deuteronomy 8.2 Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. I found that God has taught me a great deal about what is in my heart through food. Uh, Food, I think, is a great low-risk area in which to learn and exercise self-discipline and self-control. Titus 2.12 says this. It speaks of the grace of God which teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. It is good and proper for us as Christian believers to learn to say no to ourselves and to do it often. Perhaps, though, you might be weak and vulnerable like me and it will cause you and prompt you to reach out to God in prayer. I sometimes have to pray before I go to the pantry. God, help me to know if I need anything to eat before I open this. I pray before I go to a party or a wedding and I pray, God, help me to put fellowship and people before food. Help me to invest in people rather than in food and help me to show self-control. Uh, I've found a really helpful reminder for me is to keep reminding myself that I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ and you are too. If you're a Christian, you're a servant of Jesus and a servant of his people. And it's just, it would just be proper, wouldn't it, for a servant to be gorging himself on the platters as they come around. No, servants don't get to do that. Uh, We take food that will fuel us and, and I've found it really humbling to try and pick up the smallest piece or the most unappealing piece on a platter and you remind myself, or oh, I'm a servant and this food is for fuel. I've also found that the occasional discipline of fasting is very helpful. It's a helpful exercise in reminding myself that I don't have to have food. I can go without it. Along with Jesus' instructions about giving and about praying in Matthew 6, Jesus said, when you fast... I presume that he's saying that it is a good thing to do to fast. It's not a requirement to get into heaven, but it's a good idea. Uh, I found it helpful uh, because it gives me more time to pray. Uh, I'm freed up from the time of preparing, eating, cleaning up, and that gives me time to meditate on God's word, memorize a verse of scripture. I really don't uh, set my sights too high. I just miss breakfast and I won't eat till lunch or I'll miss lunch and won't eat through till dinner. Uh, And the the hunger pains sometimes, they do cause you to pray more and to 
Cast yourself upon God. Perhaps you could give it a go if you've never tried it. You will survive and you, you might just come out more spiritually nourished for the exercise. It, it is interesting though that uh, one thing that I've, I've really learnt about food this last week or so as I've been preparing to, to speak about it is that the more you think about food, uh, the more you want to eat it. And so I've been torturing myself because I've been thinking about food all this week, thinking, oh, I've got to make sure I practice what I preach. Uh, but I've, I've realised uh, there was a government slogan and there was that healthy living one. It said, don't stop it, swap it. I've realised that what we need is not to just stop eating food or stop thinking about it. We just need something bigger, something better, something more satisfying and longer lasting to fix our minds on, to, to hunger after and to fill our thoughts with. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he said this, I tell you the truth. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, for the pagans run after these things. But Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God's desire is that we would, rather than hungering and obsessing over food, that we would hunger and thirst after him, and that we would use fuel, food to fuel us in that task. It was really clearly illustrated in the uh, encounter that Jesus had with that crowd of 5,000. I'll let you, uh, if you've closed your Bibles, turn back to John 6. And let's just have a little look at what happened as the crowd came to Jesus after he'd fed them with five loaves of bread and a few fish. So John 6. The crowd had come to Jesus fascinated by his capacity to fill their stomachs. They thought, hey, this guy would make a great king. Let's make him our king. And how did Jesus respond? Verse 27, let's have a look. Jesus said, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus says, don't get caught up in the temporal. Jesus said, uh, the crowd, they were focused on their stomachs, but Jesus was focused on their souls. They came asking about their perceived needs and Jesus lifted their eyes up to look at their real needs. He said in verse 51, let's look. He said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. You see, we do need bread, but it's not our greatest need. Our greatest need is Jesus and the life that we find in him. Verse 49, he said, Your forefathers, they ate manna in the desert, but they still died. But here is bread, is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. We need to feast on Jesus. He is our real need. And he says in verse 51, he says, If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of this world. How do we feast on Jesus? We feast on Jesus by believing in him. By believing that his body was broken for us. That on the cross, he was like, bad food analogy, he was like a bread roll in a bowl of soup, soaking up our sins. 
He took on all our wickedness and iniquity on the cross and he took it to the grave. Friends, we need to feast on Jesus by delighting in him, by delighting in that wonderful cross and eating regularly of it. Don't grow tired of the cross, of singing about it, talking about it, meditating upon it. Jesus is the real food that will help you endure to eternal life. I want us to finish tonight by thinking about the most amazing meal you will ever eat. As you, as you walk into to the, the banquet hall, there's an aroma and it, it fills your nostrils and it invigorates you. And, uh, and good food is, is good, but it's always better shared with friends. And, and this meal, you, you will get to share with friends from every corner of the globe. And, uh, and as you see the meal come out and presented before you, you just think every other meal I've ever had was a waste of time compared to this. It looks glorious. And as it, it touches your taste buds, you, you just, it just sinks down into the deepest parts of you. It satisfies something so wonderful within you. You think, I could eat this meal for the rest of my days. And as you swallow, it nourishes just your inmost parts. The best news is it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. It never runs out. And his name is Jesus. And we will feast on him into all eternity. Friends, food is good, but food, food is just fuel. It's fuel to help us as we live for Jesus and feast on him. Now let's pray that we would feast on Jesus and use food responsibly for the glory of our God. Let's pray. Father God, food is a good gift, but the Lord Jesus is our real need. He who feeds on Jesus will live forever. We thank you for the good gift of food. We thank you for the, all the ways that we can use it to serve others and glorify you. We are sorry for the times when we idolize food, when we treat it for more than it just is. Help us rather than obsess over food, to hunger after Jesus, the true bread from heaven, remembering that he who comes to Jesus will never go hungry, and he who believes in Jesus will never be thirsty. Amen.